listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, really glad you have joined us. Less meat, more yoga. Less sugar, more sleep. Whatever it is, good luck trying to stick to that resolution you made on December 31st, 2019, all year in 2020. It's just the second week of January, but for many people, that means you're either still trying your best to keep a New Year's resolution or you've already failed. But why is it so hard to keep a New Year's resolution? Are we aiming too high from the start? Do we lack the willpower to do something consistently over 12 months? Joining us now to sort out the reasons why so many people can't seem to keep a resolution is someone who knows a lot about how to implement nuanced behavioral changes. And of course, we want to hear about your New Year's resolutions from past and present and whether or not you're still on track. Give us a call, 313-577-1019, and tell us what resolutions you made on December 31st and how that is going. Also tell us about past year's resolutions you made that actually you were able to keep for 12 months and maybe made a huge change in your life or resolutions where you just came up short. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about this is Julia Dar. She is the co-founder and leader of BeSmart, Boston Consultant Group's Behavioral Economics and Insights Initiative. Julia, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes. All right. So according to U.S. News and World Report, the failure rate for New Year's resolutions is said to be about 80%, and most lose their resolve by mid-February, just 45 days into the new year. Why are almost all of us failing at this task? A few different things go wrong when we set New Year's resolutions and then when we try to keep them. Number one, often those goals are not specific enough. So we do exactly the kinds of things you mentioned at the top of the show. We say, I'm going to get in shape, or I'm going to sleep more, or I'm going to be kinder to people. Those are all good aspirations, but they're not goals. They're not specific enough. They're not clearly measurable enough. They also don't give us an immediate payoff in the near term. The second is we count too much on our own willpower. We hope beyond hope that we'll wake up on the 1st of January and be a very different person than the one who went to bed on the 31st of December. Someone who's able to get up at 5 a.m., put their sneakers on, and head out for a 10-mile run. And we should know from last year that willpower just doesn't work that way, and that changing our behavior just doesn't work that way. Um, the amazing benefit, and this is what I'm lucky enough to spend my life doing, is to help people figure out that there are a ton of very simple evidence-backed ways in which you can flip those odds of success, that you can be one of the 20% who continues your New Year's resolutions through the year. And I hope we'll get to talk about that today. Hmm. Uh, so most New Year's resolutions are personal things like lose weight, exercise more, spend more time with family, give more to charity. Uh, are they too lofty of a goal, though? Are they, are they such major changes to our lives that we're setting ourselves up for failure by shooting too high? 
it's not necessarily that people's goals are too high. It's often that our goals are not specifically linked to a plan. Mm -hmm. So it's good to say that I want to exercise more. But that's an aspiration. It's not a plan. If instead you said, I aspire to exercise more, I might then ask you, well, okay, how do we actually operationalize? Julia, I think we lost you there. Uh, we're going to try to get Julia back on the phone to continue this conversation about our New Year's resolutions. Meantime, we would love to hear from you. What New Year's resolution did you make on December 31st, 2019? And how is that going? What are you doing that will be different in 2020? Are you able to do the things that you said you were going to do? Or are you already finding that you're slipping up, that you are going back to the old habits that you promised that you were going to stop? While we're waiting to get Julia back on the line, I'll talk a little bit about my own resolutions and how that's going. I made a resolution really in the wee hours of December 31st last year that I was going to manage the many different things that I have going, all of the jobs that I do and all of the projects that I'm involved in, a lot better than I did in 2019, partially because I just have more on my plate than I normally do, uh, but also because historically I feel like uh, I haven't done such a great job at juggling everything that I'm involved in. So I said I will be more organized. I'm going to have more of a plan. I'm going to keep more notes about the things that I'm supposed to do. Stick to the calendar a little better. And I have to say that in the first 10 year, 10 days of 2020, I'm actually doing pretty well. I've taken some concrete steps to make that actually happen, including buying an iPad that, uh, that helps me see things in a larger format and plan things uh, across a longer span of time. I'm also being more diligent about answering messages and returning phone calls and doing things on a task list each day that keep me up to date with all of those projects. Now, that is a very specific goal. I set that goal and put a plan together with it, just like Julia Dar was saying I needed to do. So maybe my chances of actually succeeding at this task are higher than, uh, than they would be if I had made more general ideas or more general promises about resolutions. Again, we want to hear from you about what resolutions you are making. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, we did ask listeners on Instagram yesterday about their resolutions and ones that have failed. Uh, the ones that we got submitted include bullet journaling. That's something I've actually heard of recently and heard lots of people talk about how that was something they wanted to start to do. Giving up Uber was one of them. I'm not sure why you would do that. I guess a lot of people have a problem with that company or the, the idea that it competes with uh, other forms of, of transportation. Uh, more Bandcamp, less Spotify. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Uh, no drinking and someone said all of them have failed. 
fail. Somebody is having a hard time with every resolution. Okay, we've got Julia Dar back with us now to continue talking about resolutions. Julia, you got cut off mid-sentence, so I'll let you finish uh, the idea you were sharing with us. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. The goal has to be to make a really specific plan. So instead of saying, I'm going to lose 100 pounds or I'm going to exercise more, if you said, I'm going to exercise for 30 minutes three times a week after work at the gym on my way home, (laughs) that's a really good start. Thinking very clearly about how are you going to get there. Uh, If you're someone who cares for people, children, your parents, for example, who will take care of them while you have this other obligation? So you're anticipating the obstacles that might come up. And there's really good evidence that suggests that when you can do that, when you can make a really specific plan, when you can link it to a time and a place and anticipate those obstacles in advance, you're much, much more likely to follow through on your commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I think about when I think about New Year's resolutions and why they succeed or fail is about the bargain that's being made there. So uh, oftentimes in life, we promise somebody else that we're going to do something. And there's an accountability that's built into that promise that's interactive. It's not just up to us. There's another person involved. And that person may come to us and say, hey, you said you were going to do this. Why haven't you? Or when are you going to do this thing? Uh, Resolutions are promises to ourselves. And that has an entirely different dynamic. Can you talk about the, 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 the ways in which these promises to ourselves look a little different than promises we make to others? You're exactly right. And accountability seems to be the game changer in terms of people achieving results. And whether that's accountability to a spouse or to your boss or to a friend who you said you'll show up at a certain place at a certain time, for some reason, that has more value in our minds, probably because humans are social beings, than the promises that we make to ourselves. We can do a couple of different things. We can try and flip that switch. We can say to ourselves, these commitments that I make to myself are also really, really important. But we know that we'll struggle. So the other thing we can do is take advantage of that accountability. We can ask someone else to hold us accountable. Hmm. And that kind of accountability can be in a couple of different ways. You could simply do exactly what you suggested. Ask someone to check in with you regularly. Just knowing that they are going to check in with you makes it much, much more likely that you will achieve the commitment that you've promised. Because we're, in, we're being with a fear of embarrassment. We don't want to have to mess up that we didn't achieve what we promised. There are actually now a whole variety of online accountability tools. Stick.com is a good example. It actually creates an accountability contract mm-hmm. for you where someone else will, you ask someone else to regularly check in with you. So instead of saying, how do I make my promises to myself worth as much as promises to other people, let's take advantage of that accountability. Let's use it to achieve our own goals. Hmm. Uh, your Boston consulting firm, uh, your Boston consulting group colleague, Grant Freeland, <clears throat> recently wrote that the idea 
behind behavioral economics is not nearly as complicated as its name might imply. In short, if you want a certain outcome, you need to nudge yourself toward behaviors that will lead to that outcome and away from behaviors that might lead you to stray from that outcome. How can we use behavioral economics to help us with our New Year's resolutions? Exactly. How do we actually think about the little changes, the nudges that we can introduce into our lives that might make the probability of success a little bit higher? Here are a couple of really good examples. It might be that if you buy a bar of chocolate at the supermarket and you say, I'm going to make this last all week, you don't leave it out on the counter. You might, for example, cut it up into small pieces, wrap those in tinfoil, and put them up in a high place. And that might sound ridiculous to some of you, but that's actually been shown to be very effective in helping people manage their intake of sugar. All you're doing is introducing a little bit more of what economists call friction, a little bit more pain, a little bit more inconvenience Mm. into the process, which gives the brain a chance to pause, to slow down, and to say, am I being my best self? Is this the Julia that I want to show up today? Am I keeping my commitments to myself? You might put your sneakers by the front door, lay out your gym clothes before you go to sleep the night before you've agreed to get up to go to an exercise class. These are the kinds of very tiny nudges that actually can make a real difference in terms of people achieving their goals. Hmm. Uh, there's, there's also the aspect of the fresh start that is associated with Uh, the New Year's resolution. In other words, it's a new year, it's a new day, and I can be someone different. I can do things differently than, uh, than, than what I was doing before. Talk about how that fresh start dynamic, uh, plays into modifying our behavior. The fresh start effect is really beautiful and human beings seem to be very attracted to it psychologically. So a new year or your birthday or a Monday, these all seem like really powerful opportunities to reinvent yourself, to turn the page and start again. One of the things that is really valuable about that fresh start effect, though, is it doesn't come around just once a year or on your birthday or once a week the human brain can actually train itself to declare a fresh start almost any time. So, for example, let's say that today or yesterday you didn't stick as well to your eating plan or you didn't exercise even though you had intended to. Does that mean that your New Year's resolution is broken? Does that mean that 2020 is lost to you? Absolutely not. So you have a chance today, right now, to call a fresh start and say, you know what, I'm going to begin again. I can forget about what has happened in the past because there isn't anything I can do to change that. But what I can do is begin with a fresh start, a fresh page today. And that idea of the fresh start effect links to something else that is really important in terms of keeping New Year's resolution. So one of the reasons why we struggle to hit these goals and aspirations is because they don't necessarily link to the identity that we have for ourselves right now. So, for example, if you want to exercise a lot more, but you don't really think of yourself as a person who exercises, but you say to yourself constantly, but I'm very unfit, or I was never good at sports, 
at school or I'm really unathletic, then your self-identity is a person who doesn't exercise or who doesn't enjoy exercising or isn't good at exercising. But what if you were able to tell yourself a story that said, you know what? I am a person who is able to try new things. I'm a person who's able to learn. And I am a person who's able to consistently follow a program of exercise. I'm telling you a totally different story about myself and telling myself a totally different story about myself. But what I'm trying to do is to create identity salience with my goals. That is, make my concept of myself the same as the goals that I have for myself. And when you can do that, when your vision of who you are matches that very best version of yourself, the you who you want to be on your very best day, then your chances of success go way, way up because it's consistent with who you see yourself as a person. Hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Julia Dar. She's the co-founder and leader of BeSmart, a Boston consultant group's behavioral economics and insights initiative. We're talking about New Year's resolutions and how hard it is to keep them. Just 10 days ago, we were all celebrating the new year and talking about the things that we might do differently, the things that might make us different people in 2020. 10 days in, how's that going for you? How is your New Year's resolution holding up? Are you holding true to those things that you said you would do? Or have you already fallen away from those promises. And if you are able to keep your resolutions, give us an idea of how. What is it that you're doing that makes your resolutions work? If you're failing at your resolutions, give us an idea of what you think maybe you're doing wrong. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and leave comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's start with Nancy in Dearborn. Nancy, welcome to Detroit hey. Today. Hi. Hi, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the program so far. Uh, my uh, challenge is actually interior and thus harder than putting my gym shoes at the back of the door, which I also <laughs> like. But um, it is about, it's spiritual. It's about trying to see people in relationship before I see them as a part of a tribe, hmm. which has a lot to do with our political landscape right now. And and so I, I think I do well one day and not so well the next day, and this requires what you mentioned earlier, a spiritual practice of yoga, of interaction with people uh, about this. So, uh, But it is tough. It's not going to be easy to accomplish. No, Nancy, I, that, that sounds to me like a very difficult resolution to set out for yourself. Give me an idea of some of the specifics that, that you are attaching to that, though. Give me an idea of things that maybe you're doing differently that'll help you accomplish that goal. Nancy, are you still there? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a pretty strong yoga practice, and the studio that I go to in Dearborn is is very spiritually strong and non-political, and I walk the path there every week two, three, four times, basically just being in the presence of people. And then my church, whom you visited a couple of years ago, first to you, Detroit. Oh, yeah, we, sure. We try, I was your host, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> we try very hard to uh, to talk about these things uh, among ourselves and work toward the principles. Um, and then I read and I write um, also. I'm trying to write um, 
about how I reconcile my own uh, ancestral history from the Confederacy. I think I sent you something about that, mm. um, and how do I live the best in my time right now, including wow. people who have totally, totally different political uh, views and social views than I do. Wow. wow. We're all part of... Mm the big mass of humanity and I think we better try to get along. Yeah. Nancy, that's a really, really wonderful resolution, and, and I'm glad you made it, and I'm glad that uh, it's going well so far. Julia Dar reacted to, to what Nancy's saying here about how to keep that resolution and and how to manage something that I think uh, it's fair to say is, is rather grand in its ambition. Nancy, good morning. I think that is a tremendous resolution, and I was there has seldom been a time more important than now for folks like you to be making resolutions like that. And I think it's wonderful that you're sharing it with the audience this morning as well. The one invitation that I would make to you around it is to think about how you can construct with people who disagree with you what social psychologists call a shared reality. So where can you identify something that you agree on, no matter how narrow that thing is, whether it's you know, invited everyone to live in safety or the importance of talking about challenging issues, even if you don't necessarily come to a resolution or you know, to confront our history. And when you create that shared reality, you actually create a space for conversation and for dialogue of exactly the kind that it sounds like you aspire to. Um, one of the things that you can do, and Professor Juliana Schroeder at UC Berkeley has some research around this that says actually listening to people make controversial arguments, hearing people talk about things that you don't agree with, rather than, for example, reading about it online, actually helps you engage with them on a more human level. It helps you hear what they have to say. So I actually talk about this much more in my TED Talk, which is called How to Disagree Productively. And you might find some more insights there about how to achieve this resolution, but also how to engage in and foster that dialogue with other people while you're in, in the kind of space, safe space that it sounds like, sounds like you're providing. I wish you the best for this one. It's so important. Mm, yeah. Nancy, uh, again, thanks very much for the call and for sharing that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about New Year's resolutions, how we keep them, how we maybe fail to uphold them, and what ways we could think about this all a little differently. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Brian in Southwest Detroit, we'll get to you next as well. If you want to join him, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Julia Dar. She is a co-founder and leader of BSmart, which is Boston Consulting Group's Behavioral Economics and Insights Initiative. We're talking about how behavioral economics can help us think differently about our New Year's resolutions, maybe help us keep more of them by making them more specific, making plans as opposed to just laying out ambitions. 
We want to hear from you. What are your New Year's resolutions in 2020, and how's that going 10 days in? Are you able to keep up with the things that you said you were going to do, or are you finding yourself falling away already? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and leave comments there, and we will try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Brian in southwest Detroit. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy Friday. Yes. Um, and thank you for having this conversation. Uh, you know, something that I like to do as a, a little fun every year is right around April or May, post on Facebook or Twitter asking how folks' New Year's resolutions are going. Um, <laughs> because I think it, you know, it's good to keep that reminder up through the entire year. Uh, and this year, you know, in the past, I've made resolutions that are more serious about self-improvement this year i've decided to do something a little bit more fun but certainly a goal that's achievable and quantifiable uh, i hope to be a special guest on a podcast this year um, i listen to them a lot um, i think it would be fun to be a guest to share my opinions not so much my expertise um, but yeah i think it's a fun way to um Huh. to do something that I haven't done before. So so tell me more about this, Brian. What is the podcast, and why do you want to be a guest on it? Um, so I don't have a podcast in particular, and I'm fairly apathetic to the topic as well. Um, you know, I have opinions <laughs> on politics, on music, on sports, or the intersection of two out of the three, I think, is always interesting how those, how those collide. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just something that, you know, Facebook and Twitter are one place to share an opinion, but uh, I'm an auditory learner and I like to share um, by speaking. So I think it's a, an interesting way to share an opinion. Uh, and again, something that I hadn't done before, wow. other than being an occasional call-in on radio shows such as yours. Yeah. Well, Brian, good luck with that, uh, with that resolution. I think that's one of the more interesting ones that I've heard. Uh, Julia Dahr, react to what, uh, what Brian's saying here. Brian, I love it too. Thanks for sharing. One of the ways this is a great resolution is I can hear it when you talk that it lines up so well with your identity. You say, you know, I'm a fan of podcasts. I feel like I want to take the next step. I'm an auditory learner, so they've been helpful for me, and I'd like to be able to help other people. The next step, I think, is to figure out what's the what's the value proposition having Brian on the podcast. So you say that you have these opinions. What's that insight? What's the one big idea? for you to be able to share with the world. And then, once I think you're clear on that, you're really clear on the thing that's important for you to say, then all the, the classic goal-setting pieces actually come into play really powerfully for you because then you can say, well, what's a list of the podcasts that I love where that might be relevant? How do I begin to reach out to them? Can I set a goal of reaching out to five a week? Um, can I say set a target for myself that says, you know, every time, for example, there's a new story where I feel like I have a relevant perspective, I will contact these five podcast hosts, for example. Hmm. And it's something that you can persist on over the course of the year. It's not necessarily time-bounded um, until you achieve it. I love it. I look forward to hearing you on the podcast soon. <laughs> right? I know. That's a, that's a really interesting Goal. Uh, Julia, can you talk about the, the pacing of the accountability that we should be applying to our New Year's resolutions? In other words, 
how soon should we be getting after ourselves about falling away? And should we set milestones, for instance, and say, well, by month four, I should do this. And by month nine, I will come back and reassess these things. Or, or is that too crazy making? Milestones are critical. It's much too hard for us to say, I plan to run a marathon in November. But if I said, for example, can I set myself a goal of being able to run a mile without stopping by the end of February, for instance? <laughs> for some people, that would, be, that would be very achievable. The reason it's so important to have short-term milestones is we love instant gratification. And it is also very, very hard for us as humans to trade temporary short-term pain for long-term gain. And you know that, that's probably obvious to people. It's why we don't exercise enough, even though we know it reduces our risk of heart disease or other kinds of chronic illnesses. It's why we don't save enough for retirement. So we need to build in small, short-term gratification rather than these long-term goals. It's actually why some studies suggest that shorter-term goals like having less stress or even looking good in a bathing suit can actually be more effective in terms of sticking to resolutions like exercise or eating well than those long-term goals like being able to reduce your risk of heart disease or other chronic illnesses. Mm. So then where should you build in the accountability and when should you build it in? As soon as possible. If you're serious, you build it in early. So think about building a New Year's resolution as having a couple of steps. So one, you want to make a plan. And you want to make it visible and social. You want to talk to people about your plan and your goals for the year. That sometimes feels awkward, often because you haven't lined it up with your identity. You kind of want to do it, but you're not sure you're really committed. And making it visible and social to people ensures, you know, then you're all in. Suddenly you're stuck. And then you need to build in accountability, some form a way of people checking in on you. That accountability could be all kinds of things. It could be an online support group. It could be a regular class at your local gym. It might be a trainer. It might even just be a friend who you ask to check in regularly. But what we do know really predictably from the research is that that accountability, knowing that someone else will ask you how you're doing, is a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, we've got about a minute left. Uh, before we end, Julia, I want you to tell us about your New Year's resolutions and how they're going. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Mine is actually to text my grandparents every single day. I'm from Australia. My grandparents um, and it's one of the ways in which we stay in touch. <laughs> this actually is a perfect goal for me. I love hearing from them. I hope they like hearing from me. It's very measurable, well, yeah. very achievable. Um, but it's also something that it's really easy to let slip through the crack. But at the end of the year, saying that we have been in touch with one another, two, you know, three, three people who love each other very much, right. 365 times, is really special. <laughs> that's very cool. And, and 10 days in, I assume that's going pretty well. So far, so good. So far, so good, right, yes. All right, well, good luck with that, and I'm sure you'll be applying all the things that you're giving us advice to apply to your own quest to 
keep up with your resolutions. I, I will be. Very best wishes <laughs> to you and your listeners with their resolutions. Yes, absolutely. Okay, Julia Dar, co-founder and leader of Be Smart, which is Boston Consultant Group's Behavioral Economics and Insights Initiative. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. I will be back on Monday, and I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.